0: It's Jared. So as some of you may know, I had a really interesting job for the month of August 2020, and that was being an enumerator for the 2020 census. And that sounds super formal, but an enumerator is simply someone who goes door to door and follows up with people who did not complete the census on their own. But before we even get into that, we have to answer the question, well, what's the census? right? This might seem obvious to some of us, but a lot of people i knocked on the doors of were not aware of what the census was and were kind of confused as to what to do and if they needed to do it at all. But instead of bagging on these people saying, how do you not know what the census is? Instead, you explain the tangible benefits the census brings. Because a lot of people don't realize that the census is one of the most important tools that government policy relies on, as far as pure data. And if this data is off, it affects so many things that people rely on in terms of government services and political representation. But before I get too into that, I just kind of wanted to put out there that most of our episodes here, right, really focus objectively on a topic or as objective as possible. This episode is gonna have a far greater call to action to it because the census is not a political, thing in the slightest. In fact, it's just as important as voting, in my opinion. So for this episode, I sit down with Gus Gress, who uh, I know from Youth and Government, but is very, very passionate activist for the census in his hometown community of Thousand Oaks, California. And he'll have a kind of an interesting story as to how we got involved in that. But I really want everyone to pay attention because the census, and I know some of this sounds scripted and some of it is because I was just knocking on doors saying this day after day. But the census counts everyone, and everyone counts in terms of filling it out. You only have to be 15 to fill it out for your household, and the, it takes a really short period of time. But I, again, won't get too into the details here. I'll let Gus take care of that. But again, for this episode, this is not really going to be super you know, much of an explainer as some, of some abstract topic. It really is me telling you, fill out the census. And if you don't know where to go, We have a link for you to fill out the census on our website at contestedpolitics.com under the resources tab. But enough hyping it up. Let's just get to the episode.
1: Hey, Gus. Hello. How are you? Doing all right. How about yourself?
0: Doing really well. I'm really excited for today's conversation, because I think the census is it's literally something that affects everyone in this country, regardless of who you are, and something that not that many people know about or care about, unfortunately. So I think today could be really productive on a few ends. Before we get into all of that, if you could just provide our listeners with a little bit of an introduction as to who you are and how you kind of got involved in the census.
1: Yeah, of course. So my name is Gus Gress. I am a student at Newberry Park High School in Thousand Oaks, California, which is a suburb about an hour outside of Los Angeles. And I became passionate about the census kind of starting in my sophomore year when I did this program called the Young Legislators Program with my local state assembly member, assembly member Jackie Irwin. And one of the things that we were discussing, we we did a lot of lessons about local and state government and we were doing an activity where we were talking a lot about our local government and the different cities within our assembly district that she represents. And one of our cities here is Oxnard, which she had mentioned was one of the most undercounted places in the United States in the 2010 census. And that really caught my ear because that's 20 minutes away from where I live. And the fact that somewhere so close to where I am and in California, which is such an important state in general elections and in terms of districting and apportionment, it's such an important state and to know that a city with a very large population in California had such a bad undercount was concerning to me and kind of a call to action to learn a little bit more about how it all works and why that took place uh, in my very own district.
0: Yeah, I think in our the last episode that we recorded about NIMBYism, I had mentioned that all politics is local, right? Everything usually stems from something that's affecting your community. So I think it's really good that you kind of saw, hey, this is an issue, and it's probably one that goes beyond Oxnard as we'll get into, but definitely affects you personally. So without further ado, if you could briefly describe what is the census? How often does it happen? What kind of questions does it ask? And what kind of questions, more importantly, does it not ask? Because as I'm sure a lot of people are aware, There was news this year about a citizenship question, but as we'll learn shortly, that is not on the census. And the census is really easy. So, uh, Gus, just tell us how easy it is, I guess.
1: Yeah, so the census is honestly pretty simple. It's an enumeration of the population of the United States. And it was an idea from the dawn of our country. It's in Article 2 of the Constitution that there will be an enumeration of our country every 10 years, and it was specifically outlined by the Census Act of 1790, so it's been taken since then, and it takes place in the first year of each new decade every 10 years, so therefore, we're having one this year, 2020.
0: A lot of people are like, oh, what, what is this? But yeah, it's been here since the very beginning, and it's uh, one of the few things that's constitutionally mandated. The Constitution isn't that big in terms of explicit things that need to happen, but this is one of them. Absolutely. Um, And so if we could just kind of go into what the census consists of, and as I said in the intro to the show, I had to do this. I can't tell you how many times going to people's doors, and it really doesn't take that long. So what kind of questions are on the census?
1: Yeah, so the census is a nine question form with pretty much just basic information that similar to probably any other registration form you filled out in your life for school, a job, scholarship application, you name it. It's pretty similar to all that. And I actually have it right here in front of me, so I can read those nine questions off to you. So the first one is, how many people were living or staying in this house, apartment, or mobile home on April 1st, 2020? And that date's really important because that is, well, April Fool's Day, but also the official, <laughs> not, a fo- not a joke that it is the start of the census, which is in the census, obviously, because it's such a extensive process does not take place on just that one day it goes forward for a series of months and this year in particular a very long period of time but it's where you were living on that day and you must have been born by that day in order to be counted on the census so for instance even though they take count of the census usually through july this year through september if a child is born between april 1st and the end of the census being taken they do not get to be counted on the census so it's counting all people who were alive before april 1st 2020 which is interesting but yeah moving on to the second question were there any additional people staying here on april 1st 2020 that you did not include in question one question three is is this a house apartment or mobile home question four ask for your telephone number question five asks for your name when you fill it out, you are usually person one, which I think they indicate as the head of the household or just person one, whoever chooses to fill it out. And so you fill out first, first name, middle name, and last name. You have to mark your sex and the options are male or female. Question seven is date of birth. Question eight asks if you have any Hispanic, Latino, or Spanish origin. And then question nine asks about your race, giving various options, starting with white, black, American Indian, Chinese, Filipino, Asian Indian, and so on and so forth. There's multiple more options. There's also an other option where you can give another race that is not listed.
0: Yeah. It is really that simple, right? This is information that you kind of fill out all the time. And I would kind of add on to that, that everyone is counted, right? Everyone is technically legally mandated to fill it out. But yeah, everyone is supposed to fill it out. And I think it's interesting because I went to a lot of households and they're like, oh, we're not citizens. And it's like, not a problem. Fill it out. Oh, I don't pay rent here. Not a problem. You're also counted. So it really does go for everyone, which I think is really
1: important. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think kind of just looking at the form, I don't think it's a coincidence that number one is how many people were living in your home, because that's really what they're after. They want to know the population of the United States. And that's really where obviously you have to fill out the whole form in order for it to be valid. But when they ask how many people are in the household, that's really important. That's really where they push that everyone counts. Everyone needs to be on the census. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think another thing, obviously, I would say when I was doing kind of enumeration follow-ups, because the census, you have the opportunity to fill it out online uh, or over the phone or by mail on your own. And then enumerators, which is what I did, go to places that did not do that, one of those three options on their own. And a lot of times I'd get people who are concerned about privacy issues for various reasons. Like, oh, are you selling this information? Can it get leaked? Uh, All of this. And I think it's really important to note, and we might get into this down the road, your information is not released publicly, nor is it stored personally. So Mm -hmm. I know that's a bit confusing, but like, for instance, you're allowed to use a pseudonym on the census. You can say I'm person one, this is person two. I got some people making up names. They're really just after the demographic information, right? They don't, I hate to say they don't really care about you personally. Uh, They kind of care about what you mean for a statistical range. But anyway, it really is that easy. And I think we'll get into it later, but please fill this out. It saves people like myself a lot of time trying to like go door to door. And a lot of the information is not that bad. However, you might be wondering, well, why do they need this information and population in the first place? Like, it's cool statistics, but what does that really mean? So Gus, if you could kind of detail for us, what does the census determine and how is like even just one person filling it out kind of mean something?
1: Totally. So the two areas of our government that are most majorly impacted by us filling out the census are representation in the House of Representatives and just funding in general. So House of Representatives and funding, particularly state funding, I would actually say, is very important there. And essentially taking the census and having our knowledge of population doesn't always lead to reapportionment and redistricting, but it can. So if they find that there has been great fluctuation in population, then it would call upon redistricting which will lead to reapportionment in the House of Representatives. And there really is no easy or generalized way to say how much one person filling out the census can count for, but essentially what I've heard from people I've talked to in my local government, the most common approximation is about each person counted will lead to about $2,000 going to your state funding. And that's really interesting because it's not exactly as black and white that you filling out the census means you're going to get $2,000 back into your community, into programs that benefit you, your neighborhood, et cetera, anything you can name. It's really more that $2,000 for us at least would be going to the state of California. And then California looking at its budget in 2021 when this funding goes through I can't tell you an exact date of that because honestly the dates are in so much fluctuation because of the coronavirus and the pandemic that it's it's not really sure when exactly that funding is going to go into effect but I would say the main takeaway is that in terms of filling out the census we can help provide about $2,000 to our state government, at which point, they will look at populations that are in need. The state of California will, will look at where are their problems that need fixing and where do we need to redistribute this newfound money that we have for the next 10 years.
0: Yeah, there's kind of a few points here, which is one, I think it's really important that you brought up reapportionment and redistricting. And for any of our listeners who are not aware of that or like are in AP Gov and about to become very aware of that, (laughs) um, reapportionment is of the 435 seats in the House of Representatives, what state gets what? So currently, California has 53. And that could change one way or another. If we undercount, which I think we'll get into later, that could go down. And if we kind of become accurate and count a lot of our normally undercounted populations that might go up and then redistricting occurs as to how the districts within the state make up that total so among the 53 seats in california where those districts are might also change depending on population shifts within the state not just going out of state so i think it is really important especially in a time where a lot of people are kind of wondering how can i get involved politically and amplify my voice this is a really important way And the other thing I think you talked about that was really good is that it's very hard to narrow down an exact funding measure like that. But I know, for instance, like Medicaid and Medicare block granting to the states a lot of times is dependent on census data. So even though you might not be an old person or a person on Medicaid or something like that, if it takes you five minutes, it's really there's really no harm. Right. You could be making sure that someone can get proper medical care and the funding is there. And it really doesn't take too long. So it will benefit you, don't get me wrong. But if not, it still benefits your community in so many
1: other ways. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good way of looking at it is you counting yourself could be helping someone else, which is really important to think about. And I think it's a unique opportunity in that it doesn't cost you anything like, or it doesn't Mm -hmm. cost time, I would say is the main thing.
0: Yeah, 100%. Shifting gears a little bit, we keep mentioning undercounting, and you would think, well, man, why why are we undercounting? If it really is that easy to fill out, and there's a lot of people on staff like myself who go every day to try to fill it out, why is there always an undercount? And I know, Gus, you mentioned at the top of the show that Oxnard was severely undercounted. So, in your opinion, why every year is there in general an undercount, and kind of what do you think people can do to fix that undercount into a more accurate count?
1: Yeah, so I think there's a few reasons. One of them, of the people that I've worked with or um, interviewed or spoken with, they have said that from their experience, one of the main reasons that people don't fill out the census or weary about filling out the census is simply about them giving up personal information. I mean, those questions that I listed off, most people have probably experienced them and filled out a form relating to them. But I mean, when you really think about it, your name, where you live, who you live with, it's really private information. And it can be very personal and it is very personal. And I think a lot of people for one reason or another have fear about the federal government having access to that. I know that when we give them this data, it's really using it for you to contribute to statistics about the population. And obviously funding and all of that that we discussed. And I know that it's completely private and people are not able to access it. Therefore, it cannot be provided to other government organizations Mm -hmm. or any private organizations like ICE or anything like that. That's been a big fear. But I think it's distrust of the government with that private information specifically. And from speaking with local government officials who work for the census or census specialists in my local community. They have told me that Oxnard has a pretty large undocumented resident population. This year, there was a lot of debate and conversation around citizenship and its role in the census because under President Trump, the U.S. Department of Commerce was proposing to include a question regarding your citizenship or immigration status. And that, even though it did not pass in a Supreme Court ruling in 2019, I believe it was Department of Commerce versus New York last year, they ruled that they were not gonna have the citizenship question due to an inconsistent rationale by the Department of Commerce. However, that headline was relevant for weeks after that and is still very important. And I think even though it was the Supreme Court did not rule in favor of it, it still created a lot of fear. It was on the national news, people saw it, undocumented residents saw it, and I think really just exacerbated that existing distrust because a similar thing like that did not happen in 2010 when Oxnard had that extreme undercount but it did happen this year. And I say Oxnard because again, that's my kind of local example, but there's tons of communities like this in California, California especially, but all across the United States. Just seeing that on the news and having that possibility out there that that's what the federal government was putting out there that they wanted to have a citizenship question. And then people are expected to go back and fill out this form with private information and give it to the same federal government, to that Department of Commerce, I think that was really scary for a lot of people and still kind of created that distrust. And again, people I've spoken to have worked on the census, have said when they go out, there's still a fear that there is a citizenship question. Among the people that have yet to fill it out, they're still worried about that. And it's really something that I think the Department of Commerce is trying to now reverse. And again, I don't think the secretary of the Department of Commerce kind of spoke for that department as a whole because there's local officials that are really doing the work all over the country who are really trying to have an accurate census count and I know if you go on their website it says in bold there is no citizenship question on the census right when it asks what the questions are.
0: And I think you mentioned a really good point which is I think if I'm remembering my training correctly here, the records from the census are not accessible by any government agency, period. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Except after 72 years, you can file a motion for a very targeted reason to hold that. So it basically, uh, there is no way that another organization could get the information. So as you mentioned, I think it's really good that the citizenship question did not end up on the census. But even if it had, ICE or any other organization could not have accessed that data, at least for 72 years. But yeah, I would say distrust of government is a a key one. I've got a few people who basically were just like, no, I'll just fill it out online or no, not a good time with kind of that undertone of a distrust in government. I would say another key reason is unfortunately just apathy, right? You get this form in the mail and you're like, oh, it's not, I'll just deal with it. And it kind of just like sits on your counter for a little bit. And until like someone just comes knocking at your door, bugging you, you don't really do it. And I think that also comes from a fact that people don't understand how important it is. They think, oh, it's just like this count, whatever. But I think if uh, the people I do know, or rather the people who I didn't have to go to count, when I did interact with other neighbors, they were like, yeah, this is so important. And like, I'll definitely let my neighbor know that they should fill it out. So I think some education around the census that also can kind of combat some of that apathy in filling it out. But I think the the next point we can move to is... Given all these reasons, and distrust in government and apathy are just two of many reasons. I've encountered a, a whole bunch, but yes, the citizenship question kind of being the top of the list of very recent. Needless to say, all of that is kind of there. So, what have legislators, both bureaucrats in the Department of Commerce and individual groups, done to avoid an undercount this year?
1: I think it's really had to be a holistic process, including both. Nonprofits, non governmental organizations, and local government itself. And one kind of complaint I've heard is that the census is, and I suppose someone leaving the census ballot on their counter is kind of a meta- metaphor for this, and that it's kind of pinned at the end of a speech. I think there's been a couple times where Gavin Newsom was giving a speech about the coronavirus pandemic as he should, that is our top priority right now is our safety in um, the midst of this crazy situation. And it makes sense that the census would not be the priority because safety is a top priority in our state and in the whole country. But one of the things they'd mention is there would be speeches, and I don't want to just single out Newsom, but other politicians, public service announcements, it's kind of just pinned at the end, oh, you should fill out your census because it's not most exciting idea on paper that most people have heard of and so it it isn't necessarily a top priority so i think legislators what their role in the census is honestly using their platform and their community to do things like census challenges or just getting the word out about the census just like getting out the vote however one of the things i think we've realized especially this year is the power of social media in the role that social media plays in political activism. And I think I've seen tons of celebrities on platforms like Instagram posting about the importance of the census and Instagram itself will give little little notifications like if you fill out your census. So I think in terms of politicians, I'm personally of the opinion that the legislator's role really needs to come in 2021 and moving forward. For each person that is counted, state funding will go up by $2,000 for all of those people. So our state assembly members and our state senate need to go to bat for us when they get that funding at their fingertips and how they're going to put it back into our communities and areas of need.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's been a multifaceted effort here whether it's the YMCA, Boys and Girls Club, things like that, trying to reach out and be kind of volunteer enumerators. That's definitely one aspect. I think it's promotion on social media. You're 100% correct, whether it's ads or or just kind of self-promos from people with large followings. Yeah, and then most of all, we talked about the deadlines, and I'll kind of touch on that briefly here, which is that, as you mentioned, April 1st is Census Day. That's where everything is kind of the reference point from. And Normally, right after April 1st, enumeration will start. So the people go out and find anyone who hasn't really filled it out up until that point. But obviously, with COVID and a whole bunch of problems, enumeration did not start until August this year, at least in LA County. And that's really troublesome because now the deadline for the census to submit their final findings is the end of September, which only gives really two months to do the entire enumeration effort. So it really has been an all-hands-on-deck to get things done very quickly and effectively where normally you would have basically from April to the end of the year. So this year is definitely a crazy year I think as you mentioned Gus in in every way but especially right now uh, with the census it's really really go time.
1: Yeah totally and another thing I was going to bring up is that I was very concerned going into this census count considering everything that had happened in 2019 with the consideration of the citizenship question and also than in March when we were hit with the coronavirus here in the United States. And I think that I am now, after kind of doing more research in my community, I am more hopeful because even though you're totally right, we haven't had these enumerators till basically early August going out because of the coronavirus. And the census was supposed to be done in mid to late July. It was supposed to be done then. And the fact that it wasn't even really getting started with in-person enumeration until august is really crazy and that the deadline which was supposed to be pushed to halloween is now only on september 30th so at the end of yeah at the end of next month however i'm still hopeful because as i mentioned i really got interested in all of this because of learning about the low count in oxnard and i just received a report or a self-report about the percentage of people in different cities of my county that have filled out the census and Oxnard is actually up by 16 percent from what they were in 2010 which great. I think yeah exactly and I think that really shows kind of the hard work people have been doing and even with all of the weights holding us down for this year all the hard work of people getting the word out and Especially a lot of those community organizations, all of the volunteers, people, that, people such as yourself that signed up to be enumerators, phone banking, posting on social media, I think all of that has really come into effect.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think to close, as you had mentioned, it's really a lot of benefit for not that much work. Whether you wanted to do it to save me some time from going to your door <laughs> or just because you want to help your community, which I think is a much better reason, please fill out the census We have a link on Contested under our resources tab that you can click that'll take you right to fill it out. You will need an access code, which you should have got in the mail, but if not, you can find that pretty easily. But other than that, Gus, what should people do in the last last few minutes of our show here? What is your recommendation here?
1: Yeah, I would say if you want to learn more, go to census.gov. And specifically, if you want to learn about how to fill out your census, if you haven't, go to, I believe it's 2020census.gov. And talk to your parents or whoever you would like to deem person one of your household to fill it out because you only have till again, September 30th, I believe is the new date. And again, depend who knows what COVID will look like in a month. I mean, things could change, but I'm pretty sure September 30th is the date right now. So get on that, especially with kind of the difficulties we're seeing with mailing because that is one of the problems. Again, I've heard from people in my community is that, there's been a lot of issues with census ballots getting to people on time and then being mailed back correctly and i think also that's really something to consider when we move forward because we're rubbing up right against to the 2020 election in which i think most of us in california are going to be voting by mail and i think everyone's being offered that so it's really a good lesson to learn from what we've seen through the census process and it's really something to take away that send it in early and most importantly do it fill it out be a part of the process because you're helping yourself and so many others
0: couldn't have said it better I guess thank you so much for coming on
1: thank you so much for having me
0: thank you for listening to this episode of contested if you like what you heard please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. I'd like to extend a big thank you to Gus Gress, both for coming on to the episode and for doing some hard work on the ground and ensuring that people fill out the census. Also, stay tuned for next week. We have a really special episode in store. But until then, thank you for helping us understand politics together.